Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to episode two of series 11 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. According to the latest Future of Jobs report from the World Economic Forum, by 2025, 50% of all employees will need to be reskilled. Moreover, also by 2025, the same research predicts 97 million new jobs will emerge and 85 million will be displaced by a shift in labor between humans and machines. Most commentators believe that the pandemic has only accelerated this progress. Skills is not just a challenge for organizations, it is a challenge for entire countries, and Singapore is setting a template that others could, and perhaps should, follow. The mission of Skills Future SG, or SSG for short, is to build a skills competitive Singapore and a nation of resilient and confident lifelong learners. My guest today is Wen Shan Zhu, Deputy Director of the Skills Development Group at SSG. Wen Shan describes the unit as an intelligence unit for skills, and as you'll hear, the work they are doing is as fascinating as it is important. In our conversation, Wen Shan and I discuss how SSG helped reskill workers in sectors affected by COVID and then help them transition to sectors that were hiring. We look at how SSG works with employers, education providers and citizens to create a skills and learning ecosystem that meets the changing requirements of jobs in the country. We also look at how Wenshen's team uses data, analytics and machine learning to understand the supply and demand of skills now and in the future and dig into the skills taxonomy that they have developed, which encompasses 34 skills frameworks, 11,000 skills competencies, and over a thousand job roles. And then we look at how all this supports the vision for talent mobility in Singapore. This episode is a must listen for anyone interested or involved in skills, learning, and workforce planning. So that's business leaders, CHROs, and anyone in a people analytics or HR business partner role. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Orgview. In an era when market dynamics are constantly shifting, Orgview is the leading organizational planning and design software that puts businesses on the front foot. It harnesses the power of data and modeling to build more adaptable and better performing organizations. What Orgview does best is give you control of your organization and, with the data evidence, help you make faster, more confident decisions to get the right people doing the right work at the right cost. This is real-time organizational decision-making for times of change. That's why Orgview is used by the world's foremost companies and consulting firms to fearlessly build their organizations of the future today. To discover more, visit the website at orgview.com. That's orgvue.com. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Wen Chan Zhu, Deputy Director of the Skills Development Group at Skills Future Singapore to the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Welcome to the show, Wen Chan. I know it's afternoon, your time. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your background and your role at Skills Future Singapore? Hi, uh, everyone. And hi, David. Uh, to all listeners out there, a very good afternoon from Singapore. Uh, my name is Wen Chan. Uh, I'm from the Skills Development Group in uh, Skills Future Singapore. So for all SSG for short, uh, SkillsFuture Singapore is the statutory board under the Ministry of uh, Education. So just a little bit uh, about myself as a background. Um, before I joined uh, SSG, I worked in the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Manpower. So, so you will see that from the beginning of my career, I have been looking into issues related to labour 
So this is something that is very close to my heart. Um, and subsequently, in the later part of my career until now, I, I specialize in the domain subject of uh, adult training and adult learning. So this is uh, actually something that is quite interesting. And I realized that in the, in, in the course of my career, in these three agencies, uh, there is very close synergy in the work that SSG, uh, MOE, and MOM of what we do. Because end of the day, uh, it is all about jobs and skills. And these are two uh, areas uh, that are very, very closely intertwined. Um, and now in the current uh, division that I am now in the skills development group, uh, I have uh, taken on actually a more specialized role. In the earlier part of my career, I look at strategic planning, uh, policy development, and programs implementation. But today, uh, in my role, I look at uh, how to help uh, SSG as an organization uh, enhance its uh, capability in identifying skills, uh, in uh, transmitting skills into programs and initiatives that SSG implements and roll out, uh, as well as how to measure skills uh, in the workforce. So this is a very, I'll say a very specialized topic, but end of the day, you know, we call ourselves skills future, right? So certainly skills uh, is an asset to uh, the organization. It is something that SSG would like to advocate. So this is uh, my current job role. Um, currently, I also, I oversee uh, four teams. Uh, which belongs to one cluster in a skills development group. So I look at uh, policy, uh, data, uh, as well as uh, research and development. So what the group does is that uh, we will use uh, data analytics. We talk to external partners to under understand skills trends, uh, how jobs are evolving, uh, what kind of jobs are, de are declining, what kind of jobs are created. Uh, we then produce... Uh, uh, you know, this thing called the job skills insights. So essentially what it means is that uh, you can imagine like a, a, a information, an info kit on what are, what are jobs and skills. And then we work through um, our stakeholders, like the trading providers, to inform them about what are these insights so that they can develop uh, programs uh, that is related to the skills that the industry will require. Yeah. So this is uh, in a nutshell what we do. Uh, we are like an Intel unit of sorts for skills in SSG. And you provide that vital connection between employers uh, and the skills they need and the training providers that help, you know, employees effectively or people who who, who could work to actually gain those skills that, that, that employers and industry needs in Singapore. Very interesting and, yeah, something I think that, you know, every country should look at. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, the goals and, and, and missions of, of SSG. Well, I would say that the uh, mission of SSG is to build a skills competitive Singapore and a nation of resilient and uh, confident uh, lifelong learners. And I think that, uh, you know, when we talk about the goals and the mission of SSG, it is probably easier for me to just use the context we are in today which is the COVID situation, to just explain what we do. Um, I think a very important and an urgent task that we have at hand in Singapore, and, and I guess it resonates across governments around the world um, as well, is how we can help uh, workers uh, who are affected uh, in sec who, are, who are affected by uh, sec in sectors that are that are um, you know facing a COVID situation right now, like the tourism, uh, air transport, F and B sector. How do we help such workers who are affected reskill themselves, um, acquire the skill sets they, they need to transit to another sector that's hiring? 
So getting people into uh, jobs and uh, finding the relevant skills to go for those jobs is a key mission of us. But I would say that this is also something that we are doing uh, immediately, you know, the key issue at hand. But at the same time, because we are we are building a nation of uh, lifelong learners, right, uh, we, and, a, and a skills competitive Singapore, we also need to ensure that we prepare Singaporeans well in the post-pandemic future. And so that means uh, it requires us to uh, look ahead uh, to understand what are the trends that's out there. And and then one, I think we, we use certain resources like uh, maybe the most recent uh, World Economic Forum report. You know, it, it states that um, employers are increasingly looking out for uh, 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 job role uh, skills. Uh, there's a growing job role in the area of AI, machine learning, data analytics, robotics, blah, blah, blah. And so these are technical skills that are very important. They are growing. But at the same time, we do see that employers not just looking at workers with uh, such emerging and specialized technical skills, they are also now looking for workers we are which are have which have a critical what we call critical core skills. So these are horizontal skills. So they are in the areas where uh, like uh, for example critical thinking, uh learning agility, resilience, being able to adapt to different culture, being able to talk to people across different culture because the world is just getting more globalized, right? And more more virtual, for example. So, so I think what we need to do is to equip our workforce um, to prepare for such a future of jobs of the future. We need to enhance both technical skills as well as critical core skills. And um, this is what we aim to do to prepare our workers for the future, to take up jobs in the future. Yeah, and I think it's interesting you've, you've made the reference obviously to, to COVID and you know, a number of commentators, Satya Nadella has said that the pandemic has effectively, we've, we've gone through two years of digital transformation in, in two months. Um, and I've heard others, we had Michael Arena um, on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, from Amazon. And he was saying that, you know, he, he believes that the pandemic has kind of accelerated the future of work by five yeah. to 10 years. And, and actually, if you think that the importance of skills already was 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 huge it was one of the big topics i think when you go and speak to business leaders to hr leaders around what's top of mind their biggest concerns skills was there uh, and if anything it's as you said it's even more important now in the pandemic and it's not just the, the hard technical skills but it's the softer skills as well are, are around that so and i think what's great about what what, what you've explained is you know that is the is the way that the government in singapore has taken a long-term view you know, and I think that, you know, without getting into politics, I think a lot of governments around the, around the world are only focused on the next three to five years. And I think in Singapore, obviously, it's a much longer view being taken. So I think really, actually, I think for, for those of us that aren't in Singapore, it'd be really helpful to, to get a little bit of context about how the government collab collaborates with employers, with citizens and, and training providers. I think that'd be a great place to start. And can you tell us a little bit about that and how your team is structured to work in a more coordinated way? Thanks, David. Actually, this is a very good question. And actually, this is a very important question as well, because uh, SSG does not operate alone in the skills ecosystem. And certainly, we have to work with uh, many stakeholders for us to achieve our goal. And actually, our goal is also a whole government one is one that is for the nation. So there are three groups of stakeholders uh, that we work with. So the first group is uh, what we call the, the government agencies, industry players, and employers. So what what are they? Uh, how do we, what do we work with them on? Right. So 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 basically, uh, what for this group of uh, stakeholders, we work with them to understand, uh, to sense make 
what are the skills trends and demands what is it that the market would require out there so so there are there are in a way our our feelers towards understanding skills needs so that's number one that's the first group of stakeholders we work with um the second group of stakeholders we work with are training providers so they in a way they are the supplier of skills right so we work with them to actually uh, develop uh, training programs and courses uh, so that they can then uh, uh, transmit such skills you know, through the programs to the end beneficiaries. And so this nicely uh, set me into the third group of stakeholders that we work with, who are the end beneficiary. So in this case, is the uh, individual uh, citizens as well as individual em- enterprises uh, that our programs are meant to benefit and, and uh, are meant to help them you know, upgrade themselves and equip with the right skills. So these are the three groups of uh, stakeholders that we work with uh, in a nutshell. Uh, but now I guess I can go on to elaborate a little bit more on how we work with each group of the stakeholders. I talked a little bit about them earlier. Okay, so um, in the in the skills development group that I I belong in, uh, we actually have a team of uh of our colleagues. They are called job skills analysts. So they work with the first group of the stakeholders, uh, which is the government agencies in charge of the sector, uh, the industry players like the trade associations and the uh, and uh the enterprises to get to understand. How firstly, I think it's important. Okay, so maybe before I, I, I say this, I think it's important for us to, to take a step back and to understand about skills and jobs. Um, I think uh, in order for us to be able to identify uh, skills, right, it is super important for us to understand about jobs first. Because end of the day, you know, you know, it is the job that that creates the demand for the skills. So so the so so my, my team of colleagues, uh job skills analysts, uh, they will talk with these stakeholders to understand how the sector is evolving. So what kind of uh, business models are changing? Uh, what kind of uh, strategies are companies looking at? You know, so this is the business strategy side of the house. And I think it's important as a starting conversation first because we need to know the skills that are declining the, the, and also the skills that are evolving. So the conversation then goes on to then understand and, then, and record down the list of the skills that's needed. So, so it's basically from understanding jobs and sectors that are evolving Towards skills that needs to come in to to allow the workers to be able to take on such uh such jobs and and this is the, essentially the 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 first kind of conversation that we have with the first group of stakeholders that we work with. Okay, so what we do is that then after understanding jobs and skills, we will trans we will transmit this information down into job skills insights. Uh, we will then disseminate the information through our training providers, and we have a network uh of training providers that we work with. So in the Singapore ecosystem today, uh, there are three groups of uh, training providers. Uh, so that we so-called. The first group is the private training providers. So this is actually the very traditional group of uh, providers that SSG has been working with for a super long time, a very, very long time. So, so these are private training providers. That's the first type of training providers. The second group is, I would say, in a way, a, a newish player to the market, uh, to our ecosystem. They are our institute of uh, higher learning. So in Singapore context, they are our polytechnics, uh, our institute of technical uh, education, uh, and our universities. Why I say that they are new is because um, SSG was formed about five years ago. It, it was another organization and it was restructured to become uh, SkillsFuture Singapore and under the ambit of the Ministry of Education. 
So when that happened five years ago, the IHLs then become part of a, a natural family, a natural part of the partner that we work with. So in a way, they, they are now uh, working with us uh, 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 to actually conduct uh, training for adult learners. So that's the second group of training providers. And the third group is also a new group that we work with. We start to engage them uh, very, I would say very closely since the start of, I think, last year, I would say. Uh, these are enterprises. So these are uh, employers who will conduct training uh, either for their own workforce or for the sector at large. So these three groups of training providers, uh, SSG works with to develop program, and we do that through information and give, providing them information such as the job skills insight. Uh, we also support them through uh, our funding, but at the same time, we are also a a, a regulator, uh, so as to say. So we also ensure that they meet good standards, such as uh, uh we have a legal um organization and a cost approval process that we set that we put in place so that we fund the right courses with the right skill set as well as 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 uh, ensuring that the organization is of quality yeah so so that is a, a, a elaboration an elaboration of what we do with the second group of uh, uh, uh stakeholders who are the training providers yeah and i guess so, the third group is yeah. it's citizens it's the people that live in singapore yeah, yeah. Correct. So the third piece is the citizens and the people who live in Singapore, like what you said. So so basically, what how you can see is that in in the first two groups, SSG is like a facilitator. So uh, I think what we do is that you see right, we we are trying to draw the a link between skills demand as well as skill supply, right? So we are like a facilitator in bring two groups of uh individual uh, two groups of stakeholders together in the ecosystem. But then we do we do more. We actually reach out and create the extra uh, uh, function as well to reach out to the end beneficiaries who are the individual citizens. So um, this is uh, uh, in a way uh, also something that, that really is very important because they end of the day, um, the individuals need to know what are the training programs that's out there you know, and what are the appropriate training programs to go for. And many of many times on the ground, they really might not know. So, so just putting information online is not enough. So what we do is that we have grown, uh, uh, we are growing, I would say, a network of uh, what we call skills ambassadors. So these are like uh, trained professionals on the ground. They will reach out to the individuals uh, to understand, uh, for example, someone who is interested to trans transit to another job, someone who is interested to remain relevant in their current job, to help them to understand what are the skills that's needed and then also recommend the appropriate uh, training programs to go for. Yeah, so that's that's something that we have done. But on top of that, for for Singapore context, we also uh, empowered uh, the individual citizens. So how do we, what do we mean by empowering? Right? Because we believe that every citizen uh, needs to be empowered to chart his or her learning journey. And that power must be in the hand of that particular individual. So we, uh, we actually... Uh, provide each individual with this uh this uh I would say uh this 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 thing called the skills future credit. So it is actually like a, a, a sum of a, a credit that's given to an individual. The individual can use this credit to subsidize the cost of training. So that is putting the power of training into the hands of the individual. Yeah. So 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 that I mean we also we also use this same uh strategy and approach towards engaging individuals uh, enterprises as well. 
Yeah, so this is in a nutshell an elaboration of what we do. Yeah, essentially. And it's great because it, it kind of promotes that that culture of continuous learning, which, as we know, is so important. You know, there's been lots of research by the likes of IBM around half life of skills is diminishing quite significantly. Yeah. And I'm sure you found in your research when you're looking at the skills that comprise jobs that a lot of those skills are becoming redundant, maybe because they're being automated, but then new skills are required within those jobs as well. And and I guess that's where sometimes the gap can be creative with what people currently have as skills versus what they need to have as skills both now and, and increasingly in the future. So now I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, one of my favorite parts now, which is the kind of data and analytics that supports this. So we're gonna dive into the work. So let's dive into the work that you're doing to understand the spread of skills across Singapore, you know, as well as the job availability today and in the future. I mean, how are you using data analytics and, and AI even to make sense of the marketplace? I would say that this is a, this is actually a very complicated question. It's a good question. It's a very technical one. Uh, so I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best to try to, to try to explain. Oh, we get, we get lot of, lots of analysts listening, so you can you can be you can be a bit technical if you want to be technical. Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> okay, so I would say that um, using big data and analysis, uh, machine learning algorithms, and AI to understand jobs and skills is actually a pretty new journey for for SSG. You know that that we are embarking on, but we are pretty excited about about this and and how and the future and the potential that uh it can bring to us. Um, actually, why why do we embark on this journey, right? Because you know earlier. I talked about how we have uh, traditionally uh, engaged the various stakeholders. Actually, it's doing well and fine. But but why do we do this? It's because um when we are engaging our stakeholders and we are we are we are sharing with them on the job skills insights, there have been very good feedback from our stakeholders. And, and essentially, we want to 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 better enhance our product of the insights that we are sharing. Right? So we want to be uh more responsive and timely. Uh, towards understanding what is the and monitoring what is the changes in the in the in the jobs and skills <clears throat> that is out there, right? So we also want to be comprehensive as far as possible. Uh, we want to incorporate uh, 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 data on jobs and skills that is that is uh, from a wider database than what we have today. So that's number two. Uh, secondly, we also want to be um, uh, relevant towards their needs because we also realize that on top of just being timely and responsive on top of being comprehensive about our data, we need to be relevant. And, and why I say this is because, as I mentioned, there are different groups of stakeholders that we work with, that we engage, you know, the, 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 the enterprises, the train providers, the individual citizens, right? And each of them, they actually have different needs because they, they come from different perspectives. So how do we shape our job skills inside so that it remains relevant towards their own, their own needs and, and, and and something that is uh customizable, for example. So that's where we decided that okay, uh, we we can do something more beyond beyond our traditional uh method of engaging uh, stakeholders, beyond our traditional method of just bring all these insights go back and then try to write something down, you know, try to try to do some tables or dashboard or charts and then send it to them. So we need to do something more, and we need to be super uh efficient about doing that. Okay, so 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 we, we that was the reason why I think we we, we started with this uh, uh journey that we have now on AI and machine learning. Uh, but I think uh, before I I I also you know uh, this talk a little bit more about that. I thought I want to take everyone uh, one step back and talk about this um this product that we we have developed uh in 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 uh SSG together with uh, different stakeholders since the year 2015. It is important for me to mention about this because it, it sets as a, a seed data 
for us uh, to actually uh, do the big data analysis. And this is your skills, your skills framework, I believe. Correct, correct. They are correct. They are, they are skills framework, and this is the starting point because we need some data to start with, right? Before we do uh, an analysis, before we can do machine learning or AI. Yes, and so these are skills framework. Uh, so, so what is skills framework? So, the purpose of skills framework was something we, as I mentioned, we developed in the year twenty fifteen. Uh, this is uh, this is a uh, a framework that is uh, present presented in uh. In, uh, on a sectoral basis, so we have 34 skills framework, one for each sector. Okay, so what is the skills framework, right? So it is meant for us to facilitate uh, skills recognition because we realize that we need a common language of skills uh, for a sector, you know, that resonates with all the stakeholders. And so in the skills framework, uh, you can imagine it like a five-year blueprint, blueprint uh, for the sector. So, so it covers jobs and skills. It looks at what is the industry outlook for the sector on the five years horizon. Uh, it looks at what are the in-demand uh, jobs, the emerging jobs, and what are the skills that is required for a person to perform in this job. And it also states what are the training programs that the person can go for. So this is a, pro- we ha- this is a product that we have developed uh, thus far. Um, just to maybe illustrate how this is being used, right? Uh, it's just, okay, for example, uh, someone who is interested in um, the healthcare sector, so the person can actually take a reference and take a look at the uh, healthcare skills framework. Um, if, let's say, he's, he or she wants to be a, a nurse but is new to the sector, in the skills framework, uh, you can look at the nursing track and then have a look at what is the a, a, a function, what is an enrolled nurse, what is the job function, uh, of an enrolled nurse, what this nurse does on a daily basis, understand the skills need uh, of what of what is required to perform this job and then go for the training program. So this is just an illustration of how the skills framework at a sectoral basis is applied. Uh, but I think that uh, when, when we went, so basically we have uh, completed the development of all the skills framework last year. So, so we have been trying to, uh, uh, you know, talk to the, the, the end stakeholders, like employers, to adopt the skills framework. But I think uh, increasingly as we do our sensing and, uh, and our understanding of, the, of how jobs are evolving, we see that um, jobs and skills are increasingly uh, cross-sectorial. Right. So, so take, a, take an example of Grab. I think, I think, I think, I think you had a recent uh, podcast with Grab, right? So Grab uh, is a company in Singapore. Uh yeah yeah so essentially it's a company in Singapore. Previously, I mean, I would say that maybe many years ago, uh, it started out as a point to point uh transport you know service it provides point to point transportation services. But over the years, it has diversified. It's now into a uh a, a food delivery, grocery delivery. It is also part. It also provides uh, financial services as well. So if you look at Grab as a company, uh, it is I mean to me it's cross sectoral. So it is something that a a skills framework. If it's in a sectoral level, we, we can't we can't comprehensively you know cater to to business models that are evolving across sector. Right. So this is when we decided uh, at the beginning of this year we want to actually be able to look at uh uh, uh instead of from a pure sectoral level look at jobs and skills that cut across the whole economy and we want to use big data. To do this, we want to be more efficient uh, uh, using a machine learning and, algorith- and, al- and AI algorithms to help us do data analysis for job roles that cut across uh, uh, more than one sector and across the whole economy. So that's when we say that, okay, you know, what we did was we took the 34 skills framework, 
we actually put them all together into one gigantic job skills repository and into a machine readable format. So that was the start. That's why I say it's important to start with the skills framework because they are the seed data of how we of how we do this in the first place. Yeah. So so we put them. So basically, what we did was we 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 use a uh, 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 as we put as we put all the thirty-four skills framework uh, into a job skills repository. We now we have a repository of uh, eleven thousand uh, skills and a thousand job and about thousand job roles. But this is like we can't be just swimming and floating around this repository, right? We need to make a structure and a sense out of it. So that was when we uh, so that was when we um uh actually apply one a machine learning uh technique we call this the the neural network analysis. So this is uh, actually a form of uh, machine learning algorithms that help to cluster um, um, data together and then label them, right? So, so what we did was we used uh, this, this uh, neural network analysis to then uh, uh, find a, a, a meaningful way to cluster 11,000 skills together uh, into meaningful uh, skills clusters. So, 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 so essentially, we, I think we had, uh, we had different layers of the clustering. In the topmost cluster, there is about nine levels, and then it goes on, you know, level level two, level three, level four. It gets it grows essentially. So 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 this is uh this product is now what we call the skills taxonomy. So it is like a it is like a using uh job skills data in the skills uh framework, uh putting meshing it together and then grouping it into clusters of uh of skills. Uh, across the whole of economy, so 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 this is a very this is the technical part <laughs> that I wanted to explain. Impressive work. Oh uh, well, we are doing our best. <laughs> we are actually we yeah, but actually it's quite interesting because uh, we just something that is uh, just to share. So so this work is being done by the team that I oversee. Uh, they are uh, I say I have a data team, right? So 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 these are the team of uh, data analysts that uh, was involved in doing this but of course we we partners we, we do partner with uh with other uh, uh tech solutionists to help us in this uh it, when we are doing this function as well but something that I, I guess we are all learn we are learning together because uh my, my colleagues who are in the data analysts uh, who are data analysts they are actually um you know learning uh data science now and applying it at the same time to the work that we do. So it's really learning and applying on the job. Learning on the job, basically. Yes, learning on the job. But, but I think they are pretty pretty excited about it because end of the day is, I think this one really resonates with SSG mission, right? And what we do, you know, basically we are trying to, um, uh, uh, we, so, so we are trying to, to upgrade and um, reskill our officers to become uh, data analysts and data scientists. Uh, we provide them training and at the same time, uh, you know, uh, as an organization, uh, this is a, uh, uh, I would say, a work function that they work on. And but I think they they are pretty happy because at the end of the day, there is a product, a tangible product at the end. Yeah. So 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 I need just to share a little bit about because about how we organize ourselves to do this, uh, to this uh, this new piece of work. Okay. So 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 talking about so basically, I, I spoke about the skills taxonomy and and how we develop that. So so what is so so special about skills taxonomy, right? So so now we are able to conduct a data analysis that cut across the the whole economy, not just only from a sectoral basis. Because now now we cluster everything together, right? All the all the skills were together into one big repository. So this is important to us because uh one uh, uh, uh important work that we do is to try to understand the skills progression of our Singaporean workforce over time. And we do this on a macro level. Uh, so, so, so what we hope is that we can, once we understand 
for example, what are the top skills clusters uh, Singaporeans are in? And then we can actually monitor that over time to see whether these skills clusters that Singaporeans are in, does it commensurate with the demand that the employers want out there? Uh, what are the macro shifts and how we can uh, use that to inform uh, our broad-based uh, policy making and intervention? So, so that is, I would say, we could not, we would not be able to do it without machine learning and without the, the skills tech so that, that we had done in the first place. And I was another interesting project that we are also working on now, uh, is called the uh, job skills uh, uh, adjacency. So what it does is that, so, so, I, so, so I mentioned a little bit about the COVID situation today, right? So there are people who are affected uh, in their current job and we want to help them to transit to another sector. So because now we are able to, uh, to understand skills across the similarities across clusters. So you can imagine, for example, uh, cabin crews, they, they are affected today in this situation, planes can't fly, they may be affected. But cabin crew, uh, example, they have a skill set in uh, customer service. So, so we can say that, hey, you know, what are the jobs that belongs to this, uh, that requires customer service as a common skill set? And, 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 but it's in a sector that's hiring. So we can look and say, hey, you know, actually, uh, healthcare, for example, uh, patient care is quite similar to customer service and so therefore it is a part of a similar uh, clusters of skills and and this is then a potential uh, job that someone who may be affected like a cabin crew can actually transit uh, to because of that similarity and that is also that is also possible because now uh, this is the 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 skills taxonomy that we came out with and that is also actually we came out with algorithms uh, adjacency algorithms as well using machine learning for the for the for the data people out there <laughs> you know to uh to yeah so we use causal similarity for example as part of our 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 our, our techniques you know to understand similarities uh between uh work functions and skills of two different jobs and find with and with that degree of similarity uh find a recommendation for people to transit yeah so so these are some areas of work that adjacency is so important, isn't it? Because then you can understand how long potentially it's going to take an individual or individuals yeah. to, to acquire the additional skills that they need. And you, you can actually start to match people with, with stuff that they're, that, that, that with roles that they're more suitable for based on the skills that they've already got. And as you said, the propensity to learn the additional skills they need because of it. So it's, mm. a, you know, certainly, you know, we're working with companies that are doing that. You're obviously doing it on a whole country level, which is which is quite staggering, really, and really really impressive work. And and I guess what this helps you um, do is with that long term planning as well. You can start to see looking at supply and demand, looking at demographics that you've got around. I don't know um, people retiring um, from work in Singapore, so people leaving the work the workplace, I guess, or the the jobs market. And you can mm-hmm. start to understand big decisions that governments can make around you know, potentially around immigration or education, you know, and stuff like that as well. So it's really, really yes. impressive. And I guess what this does as well, potentially, particularly that example you gave around the adjacency, is it, it helps talent be more mobile. So what I'd understand, yeah. re- what I'd really be interested to understand is what is what is your vision in Singapore for talent mobility a- across the country? This is a very good question. Actually, I think uh, talent mobility is a very broad term, but I think it sums up to having the right people uh, with the right skills to be at the right time and at the right place. <laughs> so all these elements comes together. Sounds really easy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds super easy, but yeah, yeah, this is not simple. And yeah, this is actually our mission too, right? 
yeah, essentially that. Um, I would say that talent mobility actually, I, I would, for me, my my this is my own own personal vision. Um, I think there are two there are two cans of thought of what maybe maybe before we talk about mobility, let us talk about what is talent. There are two cans of thought about what talent is. I think to some people, uh, talent means okay, you know, uh, maybe the top performer in the organization, right? So that's talent. But actually, you know, in my perspective, I belong to the camp that thinks that that everybody is a talent because everybody has that spec- that strength, uh, that that right skill set. And and as I mentioned, it's about just just uh from my perspective, pe- putting people with that that talent in that skill set to be at the right place at the right time. So so end of the day. Uh, I think talent uh, talent mobility is not just for a specific segment of people, but actually it should be for the whole society and for everybody. Yeah, that that I think that is also in a way resonates with my heart in that sense. But also I think that's what what SSG wants to do because we don't want to let anybody be left behind. We want to be uh, as inclusive as possible. Um, so so that's something that is uh uh truly important. We want to let whether you are a self employed person. Whether you are a mid careerist, whether you are a professional, whether you are a a, a rank in Singapore we call it a rank and file, which is like a non professional. Uh, basically, we want them to be able to remain relevant and to to be able to advance in their careers, uh, reaching their full potential through uh, skills recognition and skills mastery. So, so that's a uh, uh, important to ask. And I think uh, importantly also is uh as we talked about having a a nation of lifelong learners. Uh, also to remember that learning is not something that is front loaded. So learning is lifelong. Uh, I think in today's situation, especially when uh the skill cycle is very short, roles job roles are changing so fast with uh, technology. We must remember that 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 we need to you know there are multiple pathways and training uh, multiple pathways to career and and training as well. So 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 essentially, we have to continuously look out for what are the skills that we that we is required in our work in in other work areas and and to and to upgrade ourselves. In. So the power of learning is truly in our hands. Um, I also say that talent mobility is also the responsible not just of the individual but also the employers themselves. So essentially, you know, employers, uh, be it uh, small middle enterprises, uh, be it MNCs. I think it's important uh, for employers to place um, emphasis on training for their workforce. Um, actually, some employers, I mean, not all employers out there, but maybe there are some, uh, I, I don't know. But anyways, there could be some employers who may think that, you know, uh, training is very costly. Right? It's an investment on the workers. And maybe they may be concerned that, you know, hey, I invest in my worker, but, but then they will just leave the company. But I think if we believe, you know, in the true situation of uh, talent mobility and, and as good uh, employers, um, what comes around goes around. So essentially, I think if employers, uh, you know, they may, yes, make some uh, investment to their workforce, that workforce may flow out of the of their company, but eventually if they think that you're a good employer who has spent time to invest in, in, in them, uh, who has good uh, uh, L&D, uh, learning and development strategies and workforce strategies in place to take care of them, they will ultimately return back to your company or they will want to work with your company, for example. And when they when they do so, they have already flowed around the rest of the system. They come back to you with um, enhanced network. You know, they have no more people outside. They come to you with more experience of what is happening out there. So truly, in a true uh, talent mobility situation, I think what comes around goes around, and I think this is a, uh, you know, in a way important, I guess, for hopefully for employers to also 
consider and uh, and 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 in, in investment as an investment in in the workforce uh, uh strategy. So that's the second point I wanted to make. Um, and I think that when 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 we talk about talent mobility uh across Singapore, I also say that because the it is uh, increasing globalization. So actually, talent mobility itself is uh not not just now across Singapore, just across the, around the the country, across the, within the country, but it's also across the world. So I guess when when Singaporeans or individuals when they think about talent about mobility, I think they should also consider, you know, uh, 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 jobs or, or opportunities that, that are outside their own country because talent mobility now, it takes on a cross-border uh, dimension to this. So this is, uh, I would say, another point that I wanted to raise and for, for us to consider now the, the world is our oyster, it's getting smaller <laughs> and, and talent mobility is, uh, yeah, well, there's no need to constrain now to the jobs available in your own country uh, consider jobs that are available elsewhere, uh, and 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 can you compete, for example, with a global workforce? Yeah, and I'm going to ask you a question a bit about virtual and hybrid working, which I think is very much related to to your last point there. So I think it's I mean, it's interesting, really. I think yes, that continuous learning isn't just around individuals, as you said. It's about organisations understanding the importance of that as well. And and I think that obviously what you're doing is bringing data to that to support organisational effort around continuous learning and 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 reskilling and upskilling their people. And I think you made an important point, you know, that some organisations, you know, feel oh if we train people they'll just leave. But actually, if you start to link learning and skills with culture, the organisation opportunity to grow within that organisation by enabling mobility and actually helping people develop careers then obviously it actually can probably act as a, a great tool to retain your top, your best people. So, you know, I think it's really interesting, I think, that what you're doing. So I want to pick you up a little bit on the, the virtual and hybrid working. Obviously, with COVID, some people have suddenly been working pretty much, certainly if I've been working pretty much virtually since March. I've not done any travel. So, um, you know, we're recording this in just at the end of November. And, you know, that's, so that's eight, nine months. It's pretty easy for me for what I do. But for lots of people, it isn't. They've not worked virtually before. So we're asking all our guests on the, on the show in, the, in this series this particular question. What do you think HR leaders can do to help prepare their organisations for a future where there will likely be an increase in remote and hybrid working? Just like you, same here. Uh, <laughs> since April this year, uh, Singapore, we started our circuit break. And uh, we started. We all started working from home. So I same here. I have also been at home from uh, April till now, and I have not traveled. So sad, right? <laughs> so essentially, um, yeah. So I think that uh, this situation has, uh, although in Singapore has gotten better, but I think that the it has created such a disruption that that much of individuals' everyday life has has changed. And I think that um, um remote and uh, hybrid working um, has become a new normal. And I think even after the pandemic, who knows? Uh, and I think it's quite, I think it's going to stay, basically. So I think that hybrid and and uh, and uh, remote working will continue to stay for, for as a norm for majority of workforce, uh, even after the pandemic. So I think it's here to stay and remain. And, and, we, we, and it's just going to be part of uh, 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 work arrangements that we have to do. So, so, so we certainly need to consider how uh, HR can enable uh, remote and hybrid working for sustainability. So that is really important. Mm, I think uh, a few areas that I guess HR can consider. Well, I guess the first area is for HR to be able to communicate uh, to their business units, to their employees, you know, of the need to shift 
from uh, physical working together, physical working space to now a remote and hybrid working one. So that's important, but also for HR to ensure that uh, the fun- the business function of HR is uh, is not uh, disrupted. You know? So so HR functions are still delivered with um, minimal disruption. Um, secondly, I think that uh, because it's a new form of working arrangement, so certainly uh, for us as employees or or or, or even as uh, managers, uh, we we need to you know be able to understand how do we communicate or work with teams that are really virtual. So HR, I guess. In a way, can provide guidelines, uh, best practices on to the line managers uh, who are remotely uh, managing their workforce on how to better engage their employees online. Yeah, so that is important. And um, certainly, for example, from the SSG perspective on learning and development, uh, you know, training used to be physically face to face, but how do we do L and uh, L and D? Now, when things are virtual, so how do we still continue to not just engage our employees, but at the same time, uh, give them that space to learn uh, more effectively, even if it's a virtual setting. So, so that's, uh, uh, I guess, the second, second uh, point that uh, HR could consider in, in operating in such uh, uh, unique circumstances that is here to stay. And I think the third point is something that HR may consider now as a uh, as uh, working with uh, businesses themselves. So with uh with uh, uh today's situation, I think that automation uh and the use of technology is just going to increase uh tremendously. Uh, and this is uh, probably going to affect uh, business models and how jobs are being redesigned. So as HR, uh, maybe it's important for us actually I think to work with the business side of the house. To understand the changes in the business strategy and how workforce strategy can come in to complement. So, so, so in, in maybe I just share uh, a four B approach that we talk about in uh, in 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 SSG. So, what are these four Bs? So, it is um buy, uh, build, borrow, bought. So, as as the as uh, businesses are, are are now looking at increasing automation or the use usage of a uh, technology. Knowing when to buy, buy means that knowing uh, what and when to recruit uh, fresh talent from an external labor market. Knowing when to build, which is how to, what kind of capabilities do we want to build your existing workforce with? Of course, you can't keep buying. How do you uh, build and enhance the skills of your existing workforce? That's Borrow is where considering perhaps as part of your value chain as businesses, knowing uh, what kind of a uh, uh, partners do you want to partners with so that you can borrow their capabilities you borrow their their networks for example to 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 uh, enhance your 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 business model offering so that's on borrow bot is knowing when to um consider business processes that can be automated so that's bot but maybe also at the same time as job roles are automated uh how, as hr how do you, what do you deal with uh, workforce that are affected because of automation that takes place? So buy, build, a borrow, bought, uh, for, I would say the 4B approach of how business operation is uh, going to change and how HR come in then to support uh, the business changes. So, so these are just four, uh, these are four, four, four areas and that I would like to talk about, but maybe just leave HR with also some uh, questions you know, to think about. You know. So firstly, you know, so what are some of the key challenges of remote and uh, hybrid work and uh, how prepared are you, are you as HR to cope with such challenges? So that's one question you can think of as HR. Uh, secondly, you know, what are some of the possible new roles foreseeable 
for HR professionals because of uh, maybe an enhanced use of technology and automation. So for HR, you know, what kind of skills will be required for you to help the uh, uh, your company make uh, remote and hybrid work mainstream and more effective? So that's second question. Uh, third question is that, okay, with technology, how can HR technology be, be now uh, incorporated and uh, to facilitate uh, remote and hybrid work? Yeah, so so just the, just three questions to, to just to just uh, end off this this part of my response. And those listening to uh, to that, we'll actually post those questions in the article that promotes this episode, so you can actually maybe comment on some of the the answers. So maybe we can then provide those to you to when Shannon, because I think it'd be interesting to see what people say. I suspect yeah. we'll be seeing a lot of the build and the bot in the aftermath of COVID. I think a lot of people in organisations maybe won't have as much freedom to hire as they have done maybe pre-pandemic. Yeah. So I think we'll see a lot of building, which is good. And we're already seeing that, I think. The, the bot process is going to be accelerated, I think, a little bit by COVID. already has been accelerated in, in many respects. And I yeah. think the borrow bit is very interesting because it's almost where we start to look outside traditional models that companies have followed for a number of years. And obviously, there are platforms that help support them to do that as well what i can say when chan it's absolutely fantastic i think you know what you provided i think if there are people responsible for education and skills and countries listening to this and i think there's lots to learn i think there's lots to learn from 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 actual individual companies on the approach that, that you've taken as well so unfortunately we've we've come to the end so i'm just going to ask you one more question it's a really easy one you'll be pleased to know firstly Thank you for being a, a guest on the show, Wenchan. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you and, and follow you on social media if you if you do social media? Okay, thanks, David. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can stay in touch with me through LinkedIn. So that's my uh, professional self on social media. And uh, but I hope that today's discussion and session has been really helpful and fruitful to those that's listening in. So. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Wenchen. And um, and also, how can people find out more about Skills Future SG? So we actually have a website, uh, www.ssg.gov.sg. I think we'll put it in the material. Okay, okay well, I'll give you the well. I'll give you the link. I think what you can do is that just Google Skills Future Singapore, and it will be a link that comes out, and then you will find it. Yeah, we're online. That's brilliant, Wenchen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, David. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe by your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out the My HR Future Academy at myhrfuture.com. It's a learning experience platform for HR professionals looking to get certified in people analytics, digital HR, and workforce planning. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter by going to the My HR Future website. That's all for this episode, but please make sure you tune in next week when we'll be speaking to Wagner Dunutso and learn about the fascinating work he is doing at Prudential Financial as the head of capabilities for the future of work. So don't miss that one. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you next time.